Hello, and welcome to the Health Trip Podcast with me, Jill Foose. I'm a functional medicine and integrative nutrition health coach located in downtown Chicago. I'm the founder of Jill Foose Wellness, a private concierge health coaching business where I work with individuals, groups, and corporations diving deep into helping folks discover their own unique health equation to optimize their wellness. Join me and my guests as we venture down intriguing science-packed roads, debunking old medical paradigms, perusing new innovative therapies, modalities, and protocols calls while living our best life. On today's podcast, I welcome Dr. Beth Bartlett. Welcome. Dr. Hi, Beth. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being a guest. Mm -hmm. Dr. Beth graduated from the National College of Chiropractic in 2001 and holds a Bachelor of Science in Human Biology and a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from DePaul University. As a lifelong learner, Dr. Beth completed her functional medicine certification through the Institute for Functional Medicine in April of 2019. She has been in clinical practice for 18 years, owning her own musculoskeletal practice in Illinois for eight years and starting her functional medicine medicine practice in Northbrook, Illinois in 2014. Dr. Beth's passion lies in unraveling each of her patients' health story and guiding them towards a health transformation. So again, I'm so excited to have Dr. Beth here. It's the nail on the head. <laughs> <laughs> I love when I get to read everybody's bios and just look up and look at their face and they're always like, wow, I did all of that. Yeah. You know, and it's a big undertaking and knowing you share a similar passion too. So absolutely. Absolutely. So today we are going to talk about traditional Chinese medicine and functional medicine, how the two have similarities and how they differ. Um, but before we dive into this conversation, I do want to um, just talk about the medical disclaimer that we, although Dr. Beth is a chiropractor, uh, I'm a health coach and we are just having a conversation about science. We are not your doctors. We are not prescribing anything to you. So if anything sounds interesting, you can reach out to Dr. Beth afterwards or your own primary care physician and talk about any of the little nuggets you're taking away. And with that, we are going to start our, our conversation. So traditional Chinese medicine, which I really do not know a lot about, uh, is an ancient form of healthcare that dates back over 2,500 years and includes natural treatments like acupuncture, herbal remedies, dietary advice, stress, and emotional support, and treatments like cupping. Uh, TCM, along with Ayurveda, are two of the oldest and most renowned forms of ancient medicine in the world and becoming more widely available. TCM practitioners look to treat the root cause of disease and take a holistic approach to helping people experience healing without the use of conventional drugs. So my first exposure to uh, traditional Chinese medicine um, was actually Ayurveda. And I have a girlfriend, a very close girlfriend of mine from high school who is an Ayurvedic doctor in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Mm. And when she was just starting, she, I was visiting her. I was probably in my early twenties. And I remember she looked at my tongue. She looked at the palm of my hand and she was able to tell me what types of foods were not going to serve me well, what types would serve me well. Of course, I don't remember any of this information, but I was really digging it intrigued. at the time. Yeah, go yeah, ahead, I'm sorry. Sure. No, just you, you were intrigued. 
totally intrigued. It was really my first experience with holistic advice and medicine. And she's just one of the coolest women I know too. She's, you know, although I'm a total carnivore and she's a diehard vegan, um, we certainly agree on holistic practices, but just take, have different perspectives on it. So I'm really intrigued by traditional Chinese medicine. So I read on your website, Dr. Beth, that you grew up in a funeral home, which is really intriguing to me, how you went from there to here. So tell me about that journey. Well, I, yes, I was, my, my parents were uh, owners of a funeral home in a small town in, in, in Indiana, in Lebanon, Indiana. And I came from home from the hospital and funeral home was my home. So um, after I was born and up until about 12, uh, I was 12 years old. And, uh, you know, uh, from the moment, from that moment, I was exposed to really serving people bottom line. I watched my parents, you know, take care of people in probably their most vulnerable time um, of their lives uh, and just kind of knew that, that that's something I, I, I wanted to do. And, you know, my, my, uh, my interest just kept developing over the years and I just, I wanted, knew I wanted to do something in healthcare I thought I was wanted to go to med school first and then kind of went more of the natural route. And uh, so, like you said, here, here we are today. And, and that's, that's kind of, kind of the story and kind of, kind of how it all got started. So what happened um, in your life that made you turn more towards the natural approach to medicine versus taking a traditional path, going to medical school? Well, um, right when I graduated from undergrad, after I'd gotten my, my uh, uh, degree in psychology, my mom died just suddenly of a heart attack. And um, kind of, it was in that moment that I, that I knew that almost I had to figure out why. I, I, did, I didn't want to just accept, well, of course I had accepted it, but, um, but, but, but the reason why you know, why did she, why did she have a heart attack at 53? And then, you know, that was it. Um, and so that led me to, as we'll talk about, I'm sure digging deeper into why these things, why these things happen and what's behind heart disease, for example, and, and that type of thing. So, so that's kind of what really kind of switched the momentum, I'll say, um, from a traditional medical approach to a more natural medicine. So you went to school for chiropractic, but how did that transition into studying traditional Chinese medicine? So I, I, when I was in chiropractic school, I worked in an office uh, nearby and they had a uh, biomeridian machine, uh, which uh, focuses on uh, looking at the uh, all the organs and organ systems in the body and getting through your acupuncture meridians, getting a reading with a probe on your, on different points on your hands and your feet and just assessing those energetic levels traveling through all the acupuncture meridians in the body, basically energy meridians. And at certain points on your hands and feet, 
those meridians come to a head and you can measure the energy traveling you know up and up and down those those uh, meridians and you can see if a point is stressed or weakened and then you can figure out then how to fix it um, I'll just kind of um, as an example if if the small intestine meridian was high and I what I mean by high is uh, there's a there's a graph represented and then probably from about 45 to 55 is in the green and that that means that point is balanced so if that point was let's say a 70 small intestine I would knew I knew that that small intestine was stressed for one reason or another and it kind of would lead me down a path to okay let's figure out what's you know what's behind that small what's behind that elevation is it bacteria is it you know do they need a probiotic do they this or that type of thing so so I while I was in chiropractic school I was exposed to that which was pretty neat and then uh Probably about, I would say about 10 years ago, one of my uh, mentors, really, I, I got to um, know him pretty well. And he just recently wrote a book with his daughter uh, about facial diagnosis and tradi traditional Chinese medicine and, and acupuncture, acupuncture in, in, in some cases. Um, but, you know, kind of what that's all about and how, how, that differs with the traditional medical model uh, of Western medicine today. So, okay, wait, I have a couple questions. The, yeah, the first example, when you're talking about the small intestine, is that person hooked up to something to look at the meridians? Like, how does that work? And mm -hmm. then in your second example with the facial diagnosis, are mm -hmm. you just looking at your patient or is, is there, are they hooked up to something? How do, yeah. how were the meridians even found out in the first place mm -hmm. and how do you continue that practice? Yeah. So in your, your first question, um, the patient is holding a copper piece, um, in one hand and then with a, with a probe, I touch the different points on the hand, on their hands and feet. Um, and it's, it's a certain, it's a, it's a software that I, that I use. And, uh, I actually, um, a little bit off topic, but it's a, it's a good example. I actually work for a holistic dentist sometimes, and I test, um, the, do I do his materials testing? So all the different materials he uses in his practice, we have, uh, inputted the input, the, uh, by the signal, the frequency, because everything Everything in the universe basically has a frequency or an energy. So we, we have input the frequencies of the materials that he uses into this particular bioenergetic machine. And so when I touch the probe to a point um, that corresponds to the jaw tooth meridian, I can then see if the patient is, likes that, if their body likes that particular material or if it makes them stressed or if it weakens them. So, mm. so it's, 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 and I'm getting the information directly from that. And I can't, you know, I can't influence the test at all in any way. And so um, it, it's a, it's a pretty cool tool to, um, 
to have. So, and then your second question about the facial, I'm just looking at the face. So um, uh, the intestines are uh, represented on your forehead. And so if you've seen some people that have really deep lines, horizontal lines in their forehead, that, that usually is a, they've got, they've got a digestive disturbance of some sort, usually. So. so how do you conduct facial diagnosis? Let's say if a woman comes in, but she has Botox done. So, yeah, so that's a, that's a thing. Um, so I would probably say if she can provide me with a picture prior to her uh, mm. having Botox and I don't want her smiling. So that's important too, because you can, you can smile and, you know, get wrinkles from the areas of your face. So um, that, that's important too. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty interesting thing to co combine. So, you know, putting all those, put it, putting all those pieces together, you come up with something pretty, pretty special. So. And how was it discovered uh, um, about the meridians? Like how, this organ connected to this meridian with this type of energy and what that should be like who figured that all out you know the chinese did about 5000 years ago um they've been they've been just just studying studying the the meridians and organs and the circadian rhythm clock and just kind of integrating uh, all, all of that, the five element theory, I don't know if you, I'm sure you've heard of that, but um, how the uh, different organs are paired with each other. So yes, yes, yes. yep. So, um, and each organ has a certain time of day that it kind of regenerates itself. So another example here, if somebody came in and, and said, you know, I'm waking up around 2.30 every morning and because I, I I'm sure you ask patients if they're sleeping well. And so I always, I always say, is it a certain time of day or is it a certain time in the night when you, when you wake up and mm -hmm. they, you know, say 2.30. So from one o'clock to 3 a.m., 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. is when the liver regenerates itself. And so ah. I know that there, there might be something going on with the liver where there's congestion or whether let's say they've got a problem with uh, anger because anger and liver, the emotion of anger corresponds to the liver. So, um, you know, kind of just live, general liver support is a, is a, you know, probably on the top of my list. That's just so cool. It's yeah. really interesting. <laughs> and my next question is talking about how, um, traditional Chinese medicine is not supported by scientific research. Yeah. And that many of the treatments are based on empirical research and testing. Mm -hmm. And I wanna unpack that a little bit. Like why is science not accepting traditional Chinese medicine? You know, I, back about 26 years ago, I had half my thyroid taken out. Mm -hmm. Prior to the surgery, I was really stressed out and my 
my traditional doctor suggested that I go see an acupuncturist mm -hmm. just in a Chinese um, doctor, just to sort of help myself calm and be prepared for the surgery, which I thought was, you know, 25 years ago to have the surgeon tell me to do that. I thought yeah. was really incredible. That's and great. I went for several months to prepare myself for the surgery because I had all these babies at home and I was stressed out and mm -hmm. it was magical. I looked forward to those sessions, that deep sleep, once those needles were put in me, mm -hmm. and he would talk to me about um, the meridians and what was going on in my body, even though I didn't really understand or feel anything, but he right. could sense that energy, mm -hmm. either being positive or negative inside me. Yeah. So, so tell us what's empirical research and why this is such a struggle for the science community. So I think traditional medicine is more outcome-based and really mm -hmm. based in data and result tests and results. And where, whereas uh, Eastern medicine, um, the Eastern approach is more uh, intuitive and abstract and being aware and, and that type of thing. I, um, uh, if you're talking about kind of Western medicine kind of wanting to hit the bullseye and, and with, a, with a particular diagnosis. Um, but Western or Eastern medicine is more about, okay, let's look at pH levels. Let's look at the immune system. Let's look at inflammation and um, more, more, of a, more of an artistic, uh, if you will, even right brain mm -hmm. approach. Uh, I, I think that's kind of kind of my 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 answer on that in terms of just kind of a different, um, more rational thinking, if you will, and and in uh, in the Western approach and more of a an overall hey let's let's try to help the body heal itself, give it a little bit of a little bit of a push, a little bit of something, and boom, it's gonna, it knows exactly what to do. So. How important is the mindset of the individual you're treating? I, I would think that by the time someone came to see you, knowing mm -hmm. what you do and what you specialize in, they have to be open-minded. They have but to if be you, halfway there, yeah. <laughs> right, but what yeah. if they come in with some negative energy, some negative thoughts about this process. Maybe their friend told, urged them, you know, gave them a little nudge to go see someone like yourself. Mm -hmm. So how important is that connection of the mind and the body? Yeah. So I just take it slow with them you know, as, as I'm sure you have the same, some of the same experiences and mm -hmm. just uh, kind of do a little dance and say, you know, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna push them to do anything, but I'm gonna just feed them little tidbits. And, um, I've had, I've had several people like this and, and once they, I, I've found start coming around and feeling better, they're like, Oh, give me more, give me more. And, and you just kind of, uh, just kind of ease into it and not, I, I try not to overwhelm patients, um, when, when they first come in and, and, you know, sometimes this is the first time they've heard of anything like this. And they're like, you know, come on. And they just, they just have, they've, 
the, the traditional medical model is what they've been used to. And so it's just trying to um, not saying that the traditional medical model isn't useful and there shouldn't be a combination of both. Um, but um, just kind of just education, <laughs> the big, big, um, big, big piece of it. So, um, so yeah. I, yeah, you know, besides this one surgeon 25 years ago who suggested I go see the Chinese doctor, mm -hmm. I've never had another experience like that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I was listening to another podcast the other day about how important it is in our future to integrate Western and Eastern medicine, that we're both there for the wellness of our patients. But for some reason, Western medicine does not want to accept holistic practices. I, I even find a, um, I even find it difficult to merge traditional doctors with functional medicine doctors. Mm -hmm. They all went to med school, yep. but functional medicine doctors went and further and took further education on holistic healing and different mm -hmm. practices and modalities and protocols, right? Um, how important do you think, and do you think it's ever going to happen, the merge between Eastern and Western medicine? Um, that's a great question. Um, I, I think it's possible. Um, I, I think some practitioners are more, more willing and, and open um, than, than others, but the, un, until we get rid of the mentality of asking what's wrong, and instead asking what's not right. Mm. Uh, I think that, that it, we're gonna have a hard time melding the two. So um, yeah, I, I, that, that's kind of kind of my, my thought on that. I'd love to see it happen, um, yep. but we'll, we'll, we'll see, right? <laughs> it's sort of like being a health coach and then having nutritionists and dietitians and we're all there to help our client or our patient become more self-aware of how to eat for themselves what their lifestyle should be but for some reason all three of us don't always work together well and it really depends on the practice and the person mm -hmm. on if we will work together and we should be working together. We're all there for the same reason. We all bring a different concept, different theory, mm -hmm. different ideas for the individual. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next 10 to 25 years in medicine. I think traditional medicine is amazing for acute issues, yep, you know, heart true. attacks, or if you you know, need your leg amputated, right? Like that's why we go. But in terms of preventative medicine and maintaining um, homeostasis, I don't think traditional medicine does anything for us. Excel excels at that, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So one of the experiences I had when I did go to the Chinese doctor was um, the prescribing of lots of herbs in mm -hmm. pill form. Mm -hmm. And I think I was up to like 30 or 40 a day of these mm -hmm. tiny little pills. And it was wow. really expensive. That is the one part of traditional Chinese medicine that I didn't, that I really wasn't open-minded to. It seemed like a, an excessive amount of pills to be taking. And I don't know if it helped or didn't help. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on 
that part of traditional Chinese medicine? And are those herbs overseen by the FDA? And if not, who, who then makes sure that they're safe to take? So yeah, the, the FDA doesn't control any you know, vitamins or herbs or, or anything like that. But I always make sure that I get my products or recommend products that are third party tested, that have been guaranteed to me that what's in them is truly in them. And uh, I think we discussed before, if, if you can't pronounce the words in there, in the, in the ingredients list, probably, and you have to look it up, probably don't want to probably don't want to go down that road, but just how many um, fillers and uh, phytoestrogens and phthalates and beauty products, and we could get off on a long tangent here, but, yeah. um, or I could, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there, there's no regulatory board at the moment, um, but, um, you know, I, I, I just rely on the practitioner to, to tell me, you know, I'm, 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 trusting them with my health right so just just saying hey what what's what's your recommendation what's the best um fish oil to take and you know they'll they usually just take your suggestion and 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 run with it so yeah for all you listeners out there it is so incredibly important to not take buying supplements in your own hands for sure have the guidance of a health coach or a nutritionist or a functional medicine practitioner or chiropractor or whoever it is um, don't go buying them off amazon and definitely don't be walking into like a costco or a gnc and purchasing them there either they're you know you're you're wasting your money shelf. yeah sit on the shelf for who knows how long and right temperature controls and Yep. And all that good stuff. So absolutely. So the root cause of all disease is inflammation. Mm -hmm. How does traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture heal inflammation in the body? And does it take substantially longer to heal going this route? So yeah, everything is, is caused by inflammation, right? I think there's probably not a, a disease or condition out there that doesn't that doesn't involve inflammation and we know that some inflammation is we need that um, for the body to say hey something's up here and I need I need some help but the problem comes when there becomes inflammation upon inflammation upon inflammation and then that's when we run into into issues uh, but you know in, in terms of time um, progression uh, it, it depends on if the if the issue or the problem uh, is chronic or if it's acute um, but I I find that I get pretty pretty quick results uh, with uh, let's just take acupuncture for for example um, throughout this last year I've had a lot a lot a lot of patients come in for anxiety and mm. depression um, for, for acupuncture and, and just, you know, hitting a few specific points, um, just relaxes. And as a matter of fact, most of my patients fall asleep when, um, when they, when they had the, had the small hollow needles in them and, and I try to create an atmosphere of, 
you know, in the winter time, there was a heating pad on and just a warm room and nice soft music, darken the, dim the, or turn off the fluorescent lighting and, and uh, just, just trying to create the atmosphere for healing is a, is a, is a big thing too. So, but yeah, um, big, big category inflammation is. <laughs> so walk us through an appointment with someone who comes in with metabolic syndrome. Metabolic syndrome is the combination of, of you know, I think it's what three of like five things, um, including obesity and high blood pressure, mm -hmm. high blood glucose levels, among some other things. So what would your approach be to someone like that? Yeah. So, uh, we, you know, first get a full, full history, family history, um, the whole, the whole ball of wax. And when I say the whole ball of wax, I mean, questions about where you grew up, you know, where did you live? Did your mom breastfeed you? Were you bottle fed? Um, how are you sleeping? How are your bowel movements? Uh, and I like to get, look at some pretty in-depth blood, blood work. Um, sometimes they come in with some labs drawn um, if I want more, which I usually do. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, for example, looking at insulin levels, that's not a typical number or a typical um, test to, to, to right. run. And so uh, I love to look at insulin because sometimes maybe your, your glucose and your hemoglobin A1C aren't elevated yet, but the insulin is starting to rise and because you can, so you can catch a problem before it comes mm -hmm. really a problem. Um, but I like to use, uh, you know, anti-inflammatory nutrition plan. And I like to use some, um, something it's called Jambola, um, from Physica Energetics, but it has chromium picolinate in it. It has, um, lipoic acid in it. It has, um, vanadium in it. It has gymnema leaf in it. Um, so it's a combination of things that really work on that insulin, decreasing that insulin level, um, and, uh, helping the pancreas function like it should. And, uh, then I, you know, if, if we do acupuncture, taking them through some, um, endocrine points, cause it's a, it's a metabolic disease, right? So we're talking about endocrine system and, um, insulin is actually a hormone. So, um, that's a whole nother, <laughs> whole other topic, um, in terms of hormones, but, um, just taking a, a full, look at the, the, the spectrum of how many different things, you know, we can, we can do to, to help this patient. Um, so it's a combination of nutrition, acupuncture, Chinese herbs. Mm -hmm. And is that pretty much the equation? Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much, pretty much my, my approach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how often would that client come and see you? You know, usually I have people come about every two weeks or so. And let's say in this case, um, you know, let's say they're trying to um, lose weight or um, that type of thing. Um, I have a, a body composition machine in the office too. And so we're able to kind of keep track of things, uh, 
from a data standpoint, but um, uh, and oftentimes going back to the facial diagnosis thing, I can I can see um, the face change. You know, if I take take pictures of patients, hmm. I can see if it you know let's say they're super inflamed and their face is really really bulbous and round. Um, I can see that inflammation just kind of draining almost out of them. So um, that's another that's another aspect of of things too. So yeah, I love those uh, body composition scans. What do you yeah. guys have the in body or the yeah. DEXA? Yeah, in they're body. both. Yeah, they're both great. I love the in body. It really. Yeah tells you so much information that you can use along with blood work and creating a, a plan for your patients. Exactly. Really incredible. Yeah. As a, as a middle-aged woman, how would traditional Chinese medicine deal with me going through menopause right now? Mm-hmm. I don't actually have any hot flashes, but ep, you know, all the other things. Sometimes I don't sleep very well. Sometimes I, you know, feel a cycle coming, but it's not. Mm-hmm. So, but I definitely feel like my hormones are a train wreck mm-hmm. every week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how does Chinese medicine help that? Well, so we talked about when we were talking a couple of weeks ago about a uh, test called the Dutch test. And I'm going to step away from traditional Chinese medicine for just a second. Yep. But I do use that to treat uh, hormone imbalances. Uh, the Dutch test is a dried urine test and mm-hmm. it, it, it gives the metabolites. So the, the end products, basically I'll say of all of your hormones, including cortisol, DHEA, <laughs> which um, is dihydroepiandrosterone, uh, di- thank you, dihydroepiandrosterone, which, which governs skin, um, uh, it, it says the, the sex hormones, um, it, it uh, helps the body make testosterone and estrogen. Um, so all of the all of the hormones, including the estrogen, the progesterone, the testosterone, um, it gives the breakdown of, of all of those hormones. And so we can see, um, for example, in a menopausal woman, a lot of women are estrogen dominant. And by that, I mean, um, they, they actually carry a, a lot of weight in the gut and in their triceps. And so sometimes I can you know, look at somebody and say, oh my gosh, she's, she's estrogen dominant. But, but what that means is they, she has a higher um, number of the four and the 16 hydroxy estrogens, which are, can be damaging to the body, to the DNA. And I, you know, it would be my hope that we get rid of those, open up the body to get rid of those, those pathways to get rid of those excess estrogen pieces and, you know, address food that, um, that contributes to excess estrogen and, uh, beauty products and, you know, that type of thing. So, um, but also using, like you say, some, some acupuncture, um, 
certain hormone points. Spleen six is a is a great point for um, it's on the <laughs> it's on the lower leg, but um, you know if somebody's having hot flashes and just experiencing those menopausal type symptoms. Um, can you can you be on hormone replacement therapy and use traditional Chinese medicine at the same time? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I, I I think uh, a lot of women are kind of going the bioidentical hormone yep. direction right now, and I think it can be it can be married in a really nice combination uh, of of things that can keep hot flashes under control and mood swings under control and um, speak, talking about mood swings and, and hot flashes. I like to use um, holy basil and rhodiola uh, for the, for the, for mood, mood balance. Um, so. Um, Once yeah. you start taking these herbs, how long does it take for them to start to show their positive effects? It's not long. I, I, I think they, the, depending on what the delivery system is, if, cause I have some that, you know, are liposomal take, taken right into the tongue to go directly into mm -hmm. the bloodstream and have almost an immediate effect. So, um, I really don't, nothing that I use is, you know, long, long acting, so to speak, that it takes a while to build mm. up in the bloodstream, so to speak. Um, they, they, act on it right away. And what about women who are going through the change that experience hair loss, hair shedding? <clears throat> I mean, that's just a horrible experience to go through as a woman. I had major hair shedding. Mm -hmm. It started about two years ago. Mm -hmm. And I, that's when I really started hormone replacement therapy mm -hmm. to try to um, help balance myself. And it, it comes and goes. It's just, mm -hmm. I eat well, I exercise, I do all the things, right? All the things, yep. But what, where does traditional Chinese medicine come into play to help combat that? Yeah. Um, I think it's just, you know, creating balance. That's, that is, um, when you, when you, when you look at the, the yin and the yang symbol, um, what that, what that is, is creating balance in the body. And so, um, rather than trying to, you know, try to hit the nail on the head sometimes, um, if, if somebody's got, um, if they're, losing their hair or um, having some kind of baldness issues and that type of thing, I would look at, I would look at the hormones. I would look, I would do a Dutch test. I would look at the thyroid because thyroid is a big yep. hair uh, um, related <laughs> organ as well, gland as well. Um, but the, the kidney is um, governed by, or hair is governed by the kidney. And so, um, the, uh, um, and when, when I say that is meaning it, let's say somebody has a kidney deficiency that can mean that, or a spleen deficiency, or that means that I know I need to support the kidney. And so sometimes when I do that with certain things like solidago, which is a, a botanical, 
Um, and that helps the kidney just kind of, you know, be supported, regenerate, so to speak. And um, that takes care of the issue. Now, I would also look at, you know, are, are we eating some healthy fats and, you know, that, that, that type of thing. I know a lot of people take biotin for, uh, for, for hair and, and so on. But uh, yeah, addressing it from all aspects, again, I, I, I think that's a key. Let's talk about nutrition for a minute. Do you find it challenging to make it very clear to your patients that while they're going through this health journey, nutrition is a huge part of it. And they absolutely need to support all of the modalities you're delivering to them mm -hmm. with a healthy way of eating. Sometimes it's a little more difficult than others. <laughs> Sometimes people, you know, embrace, embrace that piece. Um, and, and I know it's hard. It's, it's hard with you know, lots of, lots of things going on and you, you can't, we can't live in a bubble. I mean, I guess we can, because we have for the last year or more. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, all jokes aside, um, you know, getting that, like you said, getting them to incorporate and, and realize what a big piece that, what they're putting into their body, how, how that affects them. Um, and they just can't, you know, come in and have acupuncture or come in and um, do this or that and expect to have you know, lasting change. Um, right. it, it takes, it takes, uh, it takes some understanding and, and I try to encourage patients to, to write down or to go through like why they're doing this. You know, if they're doing it just to fit in a bathing suit for spring break, eh, chances are that's not a, you know, long lasting reason to, to, you know, make these changes, but if you are honestly looking at, you know, hey, I want to get rid of my anxiety and, and my depression, or I want to sleep better, just trying to, you know, nurture that, that uh, reducing the inflammatory foods is such a huge part of that piece um, is, is, is really what I, what I try to do. And I, you know, I, for the most part, I try to encourage people as best I can. You know, nobody wants to come in and be yelled at or say, you know, why, why didn't you lose five pounds or right. X, Y, Z. Um, so I, I find that, that, you know, the encourage, just encouraging, just try to reiterate, you know, you're, you're doing well, you're doing well. Um, but also, being able to live life and go to weddings and go to birthday parties and celebrations and, and so on and so forth. And again, creating balance, um, uh, I think is, is the, is a healthy way to go about it. Do you look at genetic SNPs mm -hmm. with any of your patients and tell the listeners what a genetic SNP is? And, yeah. and how you would even discover if someone had one. So a genetic SNP is, uh, SNP is SNP, stands for single, single nucleotide polymorphism. Um, and that's just what it is. In your genetic code, there are little SNPs 
meaning like I, I envision them as SNIP, a little snip of something, right? So it's, it is, um, uh, I, I usually look at SNPs um, with, a, with a company called 3X4 Genetics. Um, and it's, you just take a swab of the inside of your cheek and send it in and, uh, uh, and I, I, I didn't do it with this company, but in my mom's case, I, I did because I wanted to know cardiovascular wise, you know, what I was looking at. And so I, I wouldn't, I think it's a good thing for anybody to have done um, just for more, more curiosity's sake, but, but I think it provides essential information in creating, you know, a treatment plan and knowing, okay, uh, patient has a, a snip of the vitamin D receptor. So they may not, they may not absorb or incorporate vitamin D in like, you know, a, a person that didn't have a genetic snip for the vitamin D receptor. So, um, you might have to, you know, figure out a different way to, with, with the vitamin D. So in terms of absorption and that, and that, that sort of thing, but, uh, um, yeah, I think, I think, um, tre tre treating genetic SNPs is, is, is a good, a good thing to incorporate. Yeah, it's, um, intriguing to me. I have the MTHFR genetic mm -hmm. SNP. And so basically it's just a genetic mutation on, um, my methylfolate cycle. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the percentage of people that have it is up to like 80% yeah. globally that have it. So it's very, very common. Mm -hmm. And there's an amazing doctor by the name of Dr. Ben Lynch, who wrote an amazing book about these genetic SNPs. And I think there's about eight of major, major SNPs. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to know this information about yourself because it does affect the way you absorb vitamins and minerals and, um, detox food. pathways and absolutely body detoxifies and yep foods yeah. you should be eating foods you shouldn't be eating it he goes into the description of your personality based on these genetic mutations which is really cool it's always spot on i'm always like yeah. oh yeah i'm that i'm that i'm that <laughs> so i think it is um a piece of the puzzle for everybody to request genetic SNP information testing for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, why not, right? Yeah, it's it's good, you know, information uh, to have, and any anything, any information we can gather in trying to help somebody is going to be worth it. So absolutely, yeah. Uh, when you utilize traditional Chinese medicine and functional medicine protocols for healing, do you prescribe a specific way? Oh, we talked about eating. Do you? Are you for being a vegan or do you really see the value in having animal fats and proteins as part of your diet? Yeah, I think we need fats and proteins for sure. And, and, and for a healthy thyroid, we need protein, no question. And when you're talking about- But animal, animal protein versus vegan protein? I think so, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and healthy fats. Um, uh, I, I think that's what the thyroid needs for, let's take weight loss, for example. 
um, it needs some some healthy animal protein. Um, and I think I think you know body recovery from exercise. I, I think protein is a is a is a really useful thing. So I don't you know particularly prescribe a vegan. Uh, or, or really vegetarian, I, I say that, you know, maybe three quarters of your plate might be vegetables and a quarter, uh, well, half be vegetables, a quarter protein and a quarter healthy fat, right? So, um, right. And, and I think, it, you know, just kind of a, a, a balance of, of those three things. And carbs, uh, carbs are important. Carbs are important for, you know, any kind of endurance athlete and and that type of thing. So not, not definitely not saying to completely take out the carbs either, but again, the balanced piece of it. What are your top three foods to eat to support a healthy lifestyle? Yeah, I would say cruciferous veggies. So kale, um, Brussels sprouts, um, those, those greens, because those help support healthy detox pathways. Number, my number two would be some healthy fats, some salmon, avocado, those types, those types of healthy fats, and then protein is really what I would say. And before we end, I've got to ask you, what are your top three lifestyle hacks to support a healthy lifestyle? So I would say reducing or eliminating <clears throat> inflammatory foods, uh, exercise, and nurturing that mental, emotional, social health. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Dr. Beth, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I absolutely love talking about traditional Chinese medicine and learning new things for myself to utilize in my own life. I am a huge fan of acupuncture. And for any of the listeners out there who want to reach out to Dr. Beth, I'm going to put in the show notes, all of her contact information, um, her IG, her Facebook, um, her website. And she also has some amazing recipes that I was checking out on your website. So Thank I you. love that you show what you're cooking. Yeah. I love that you show recipes that are, are, I knew you ate meat because I saw your recipes. <laughs> and I'm a carnivore, so I'm always looking at what is everybody eating, right? Right. right. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. Um, anything, any last words you want to share about traditional Chinese medicine and just, you know, for our listeners out there who have never tried anything like that before? Yeah, I, I would just say be, try, try, try to be open-minded and, uh, um, and just, uh, um, do some, do, do, do a little bit of research and just, yep. because I, I, I am here to say that it, it, you know, it works and what, what we do works. And even though it might be, not be FDA regulated or, um, or otherwise, but, um, we, we, we're healing people and we're getting people well. So there's gotta be something behind it. Absolutely. It is a mindset and it's a commitment to your health. And yep. with that, we're going to say goodbye. And thank you again for joining me as a, my guest. And thank I look so forward much, to, yeah, I look forward to uh, more podcasts in the future. Me too. Yeah. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Have a great week. Bye-bye.